When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast with another physical human being for the first time in, since March. It's bizarre, isn't it? This I'm is weird. weird. Stepping into somebody's house and being greeted with a sanitizer <laughs> as if I'm a kind of dirty, <laughs> dirty animal going through a sheep dip. I do feel like we need a plastic screen or something here just in uh, case. We, in case we get too animated. Those big cuddle curtains. Yeah, yeah, those, yeah. one of them. So we can I, mean, I, don't t- I don't want to touch you. <laughs> Steady on. Well, I'm going in. Forget it. Um, have you uh, got over the fact that Villa was still a Premier League club? I feel like I'm going to ask you this for the next couple of weeks now because I'm, I'm still not over it. <sighs> don't ever want to be over it to be honest I kind of I don't, you know what we said it's kind of a normal service resume now so yep. uh, it's bizarre isn't it because it's not a reason in itself to celebrate but I think I tweeted last night that Villa have actually finished eight places above in the football pyramid they finished yeah. eight places above where they finished last yeah. season so I'm saying if you do that next season and the season after that means champions <laughs> so it's, Ste- it's steady on steady yeah on. I'm, I'm not getting carried away but it, it's progress isn't it and it is. you know I, I don't think there should be kind of champagne corks popping uh, or open top bus parades but yeah. considering that Villa needed kind of miracles snookers whatever it was to get out of that situation I think we're allowed to to bask yeah of course um, bask for a few days more yeah, I tweeted. I tweeted the screenshot of the document I put together. Actual notes as well for a podcast this is unheard of for this channel. For anyone who's been watching, Do you want to publish those. And I, that's what I mean. I had to tweet it just to prove <laughs> that I'd done some notes. But when you look at the the red and the uh, the red and the yellow before lockdown of just defeat, 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 draw, defeat, draw, defeat, and then at the end you've got a couple of greens at the end for, for wins and a couple of draws. It it was then or never, wasn't it? And we'll get on to you know the, the how how it all unfolded later on in the podcast, but. It still feels like it, it was a miracle. Seven points adrift at one stage. I was watching, um, obviously we were all watching a match on Sunday and Robbie Savage had to have a little bit of bitter blue nose uh, <laughs> punditry before the start. Somebody saying how Villa have improved since lockdown. He was saying, well, they haven't really improved since lockdown. Yeah, yeah, They've yeah. improved. They've only improved know, in the last three games. Arsenal and, yeah. Which is fine, but it's all about timing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's better to have improved when you had to rather yeah. than at the start and then fall apart. That's it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it's it's nice nice to see that little bit of green that represents yeah. wins. Uh, not, green shoots of recovery. Yeah, not many, but enough. It's enough, isn't it? Yeah, it's enough. <laughs> um, so for this podcast, we're going to kind of have a, have a bit of a debrief and look at the season as a whole because it kind of feels like the playoff winning season, that it kind of felt like two seasons. You've got the Steve Bruce part and then yeah. the Dean Smith part. You've got the pre-lockdown part and the post-lockdown part. It feels like a totally different season when you look back at the results I asked you yesterday when I was putting this research together when did you think that Kevin Friend thing happened at, Q- uh, at Crystal Palace and I kind of felt it was like Christmas time for some reason <laughs> yeah, I, well, I don't fact, know why the fact that you asked me that <laughs> it's just weird <laughs> I know you were thinking something stupid it was it? August it's like that feels such a long time ago that it doesn't feel like this season do you know what I mean yeah it's, <laughs> uh, it, it has skewed it slightly not quite not 
it's probably peculiar to you. Everybody yeah, yeah. else probably still got True. some kind of grasp on reality. But um, oh, I'd fully lost it at that point. So yeah, it just definitely does see seem like um, BC, as in before coronavirus and yeah. AD. After Douglas Louise's <laughs> remarkable recovery, um, yeah, okay. yeah, slightly contrived, just a bit. Um, should we start with the summer transfer business then? And we'll kind of we'll touch on the whole... So basically, with this podcast is this season. We're going to do another episode, which is going to look ahead to what we need to do for next season. So I think okay. we'll kind of deconstruct what worked and what didn't okay. in that episode. But generally speaking, 12 in. How did you feel at the time? Because we, we didn't start the podcast till November, and I wasn't even working here until September. So the whole start of the season, our opinions aren't on record anyway. So what were we thinking at the time? <sighs> Christ knows. <laughs> um, I think that looking back, I think probably excitement that Villa are in the Premier League and that they seem to have a recruitment policy that was looking to the future, that yeah. was signing players which we hope would have a, either value to Aston Villa over a longer time, time frame or would have a sell-on value. Uh, I think at the back of my mind... Hopefully I'm not reinventing this. Hopefully this is what I thought then, rather than with the benefit of hindsight. I remember the the summer recruitment of Paddy Riley, Hendrik Almstad, Tom Fox and Tim Sherwood that led to relegation. And there were all these kind of exotic new names. You were, you were thinking, crikey, you know, they've been tearing it up in a league lesser than the Premier League. Let's yeah. see what they can do on the Premier League stage. So there's always that that kind of at the, the back of my mind. You know, it's all very well having excited, talented players. How are they going to gel as a unit? Uh, you hope that the core of Mings, McGinn, Grealish would be enough to kind of mould them together. Um, but I think it was excitement. I think I was kind of blinded by yeah, blinded yeah. by a big. You know, we all get, get it's like Christmas, isn't it? When a, when a, a transfer comes along, so if you've got twelve presents under the tree rather than <laughs> just a, a couple, it, I think we're all all got a little bit. It carried away yeah, uh, yeah. and I'm hoping that like that team that, that went, got relegated in 2015-16 individually a lot of them have proved to be, be very good players so yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that that will be the case but the, the improvement and the kind of you know the, the year long slog of a Premier League relegation battle has actually made them better for the experience yeah. rather than us sharpening them all up yeah, yeah, sharpening yeah. Douglas Louise up so he can go back to Manchester City sharpening Jack Grealish with another year on the on the clock so he can I'm hoping that Villa reap the benefits of, of, of what's yeah. been a real kind of a tough tough battle of a year yeah like I said we'll kind of deconstruct the, the ins and outs in the uh, in the recruitment part of, of the podcast that we do when you look at August you've played five I've included cup games in that so there's one cup game versus crew four Premier League games you look at that and with one win in the league and three defeats on paper, you think that's pretty bad. Whereas if you look at the fixtures, we're leading against Tottenham. Yeah. You got an early penalty against Bournemouth and Douglas Louise does a little step over and, get, and they scored they score two. The Crystal Palace game was August. That should have been a draw. Yeah. So on paper, on reflection, that's not a bad start to the Premier League. And I think there's still reasons for optimism back then. I think there was. And I think, again, looking at it, the benefit of a, of a year to review it now it's almost knowing the outcome that we stay up so three defeats doesn't matter yeah it's almost (laughs) as if kind of that that first game 
is kind of the opposite effect of what happened over the season. Whereas yeah. Villa started well in that game and then had a sucker punch and lost late on. Whereas it's we, we've had the opposite, haven't we? It's kind yeah. of been a slog, it's been a slog, it's been a slog. And then kind of pulled, pulled um, survival from the jaws of relegation. Um, yeah, I think it, I think the thing that encouraged me about the first month is that Villa looked competitive in games. Yeah. I, thought, I thought the Bournemouth game for probably, what, an hour... 70 minutes of that game was probably as strong a performance as we mustered during the first half of the season. Yeah. Um, obviously, it was an early indicator that this this team could shoot itself in the foot. <laughs> Even Tom Heaton, who went on to become kind of one of the more responsible kind of mature performers, you know, threw one in, didn't he? Yeah. Threw a mistake in that day. Um, but yeah, I think, it, I think it, it encouraged me that Villa aren't going to get turned over or battered out of sight on many occasions yeah. that can be competitive and I think for the most part that was the case I don't I think Villa even in, when they're on a drastic run of defeats there weren't too many times when they weren't in games yeah. at some stage yeah there was periods where we were where we had started the podcast around Christmas time I think and even though we were I don't know whether we were in the bottom three at that point we were still saying oh yeah we're in most games we still yeah. feel like we're we're not far away from yeah. from getting results here, so it wasn't kind of there was no compare in comparison to the year that we went down. There was there was never a period this season up until as very recent as the Man United yeah. game where we thought, oh, that's it, it's over. Yeah. You always thought well, there's still something where Villa might pull it out of the bag here. Um, so yeah, you kind of you do look at that month and think, well, we've kind of like you say, shot ourselves in the in the foot against Bournemouth. We beat Everton in, in a great night out at yeah. Villa Park. And then the, the Kevin Friend thing happens in Palace. So on reflection, that's that's not a bad start to the season. No, like I said, I think it, I think it showed that Villa <clears throat> Villa had arrived. It showed that there was some talent in the ranks. With you know, yeah, I remember being probably more impressed than I am over the course of the season. But Freddie Gilbert, I thought we got a player, we got yeah. a real athlete, and he seemed to get it. He seemed to get the kind of the English mentality if you like he seemed, seemed, seemed to be a warrior yeah. and there were there were little signs like that you thought actually yeah we've got a chance I mean Wesley was still getting pelters quite early early doors but I thought he turned up on that that, that night against Everton yeah. um, bullied defenders scored a goal um, ran his socks off you know put his body on the line um, so they're just kind of things I think at that stage when there's still so much of the season to be played you, you, you do cling Cling for the for the positives. Yeah. I think when you get halfway through the season and you've seen you've got a, you know a body of evidence before you think, oh crap. <laughs> and also, if we'd had to gone down, we'd probably be looking at that going, oh, if we'd just beat Bournemouth, yeah. then if, if this didn't happen, if this didn't happen. Yeah. But because we know that the ending of the story is Villa style from yeah. last day, it's like, oh well, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, in September, you've got one only one win, and that was the cup game against Brighton. Um, but the, the main kind of standout fixture there is that Arsenal game. That was the kind of turning point where you think if we just hold on to these games where we where we go ahead, Tottenham, Arsenal, you've got Villa go one and up through McGinn, Arsenal get a red card in the first half and yeah. you don't win that game and that's when you start thinking, oh, okay, maybe Villa don't have what it takes to to cut it in this league. Yeah, I mean that that game particularly was was a you know a bit of one to to swallow um, as we've had to with, with several several times when Villa. Have, you know, force the issue against the, the better teams and then just kind of crumble. Yeah. Thing that I, I took from from that one was, um, you know, I think by then as well, even in the other games, we thought, you know, we've, we'd heard this talk about Jack Grealish. Is he is he good enough? You know, he okay. He's like a kind of fifteen year old kid playing against a bunch of eight year olds in the Championship. <laughs> but when he steps up to the Premier League, how will he cope with the big boys? And yeah. I think, you know, just 
that Arsenal game, he was just kind of drifting past players as if they weren't there. And I think people were starting to suddenly kind of realise that, yes, as Villa fans, we're biased. We've built up Jack Grealish to be this kind of Messiah-like figure, but actually he's a bit decent, isn't he? <laughs> I think people forgot because Villa have been out of the Premier League for three years. Yeah, everyone else, yeah, yeah. The, the wider world didn't realise kind of quite, quite how good he was. So I think, although we weren't picking up points then, is that... How many games did we play? We only played two league games in September. Uh, three. West, we drew to West Ham, lost to Arsenal, and then drew to Burnley. The Burnley one was a was a, a shocker as well, wasn't it? There was, there was a VAR thing in that as well, wasn't there? Yeah, I think so. Um, didn't That's we throw away throw throw away a lead? Didn't we throw away a two goal lead? Possibly. We should know this, shouldn't we? Yeah, I should have done the research, <laughs> and I've done research for some games. But I know there was a obviously there was the VAR thing in, in the Arsenal game with the handball that wasn't given in the. 88th minute yeah. or something you think obviously you only would have got a penalty and we might have missed anyway but that gives you the opportunity to get a point there yeah. that you hope you could have got we had the Crystal Palace thing two weeks before yeah. then something else happened in the Burnley game but I've not done the research to remember what but I kind of I thought maybe because we drew that game that, that VAR, VAR, VAR decision didn't matter in the end because it wasn't drop points yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> expose our ignorance and our lack of research by dwelling too much on that yeah, uh, but again it, it felt like a missed opportunity yeah. on the day and at this point of the season you're now looking at it thinking okay we won one game in in seven or eight yeah. and we're, we're starting to throw throw games yeah. away I think at that stage you know it's a relegation battle where yeah. you probably believe the hype um, through throughout June July and early August that you know Villa can finish 12th 14th comfortably yeah because the start of the season goes both ways isn't it we had the year under Lambert when we'd, we were unbeaten in four or something yeah. and you think oh here we go and then it still turns into a terrible season yeah. so that you can't you're never going to judge it too much from the start but by the time the end of September comes and you're 18th with one win in the league you do think oh okay this is going to be difficult yeah it was definitely definitely I think that that Burnley <laughs> game just that you got the feeling that kind of it's going to be a slog this is yeah and so it proved we've got the the cup going on at this point the league cup um, how did you think of that at the time? Because obviously we got the, the Wolves game in the cup in October, which obviously we won because we got to the final. Spoiler alert! But did you were you kind of in the mindset of oh this is a distraction or this is something to go for? It's horrible, you know, because I'm quite old fashioned and traditional in terms of a kind of you know there's only so many prizes that you can go for. You should yeah. be should be going all out to to win whatever you can. Um, but I kind of because because the start of the cup coincided with you thinking. Oh, this is going to be a real a real battle. Probably was a secondary thing, yep. to be honest. Especially um, in the early stages of the competition as well. You 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 rotating the team a lot, aren't you? And you're playing Crew six one is a yeah. game you'd expect to win. Brighton we beat, and then you beat Wolves. And I think probably after that Wolves game, when, is that the quarterfinal after that stage? I think you start thinking, okay, well maybe this is something we can take seriously now. Yeah, I think it starts to open up then. Um, <clears throat> but at that stage. Like, I feel like a bit of a sellout for saying it. I feel it's a bit of a kind of modern fan thing thing to think about yeah. Premier League and nothing. Um, but I think, as we've found all the way through the season, we know how important Premier League is just for the kind of the infrastructure of the football club, the quality of players that you can keep, the quality of players that you can attract. Yeah. So it did. It took you know it took precedent. Well, so we're Tom, jumping ahead a bit because if we'd have gone down but got to the League Cup final. Yeah, it's irrelevant, isn't it? Even yeah. if we'd have won the thing, it'd yeah. have been great to win a major competition. But in terms of the, the like you say, the infrastructure of the club, winning the league cup isn't going to do anything yeah. to attract players if you're in the championship. Yeah. 
Still taking it there. Yeah, of course, of course. We'd, obviously, we jumped ahead a little bit. We've we've uh, glossed over two Villa wins in a row in October. Oh, Telepony, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> Norwich one, Villa five, a Wesley brace where they look a bit more confident. But obviously, Norwich are dreadful and finished bottom and then beat Brighton again in the league this time yeah just wonder if, if Wes had got the hat-trick then if he'd have scored the penalty and gone you know to be challenging Vardy and Aubameyang for the, for the golden boot <laughs> wouldn't he um, I think you look at those now and you think maybe this is where Villa start to, to turn the corner but it doesn't really I mean with again with the, the benefit of hindsight that, that isn't the case but you do think I think that was that Norwich game was the first game I started working here I think and right. I wasn't there I remember thinking, oh, that was the first game I'd not watched or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is all right, going to these other games if we were going to win every week. And then we win the following week against Brighton. And I was like, yes, Villa look good all of a sudden. And it's like, oh no, okay, back to reality. Man City are beating us 3 0. Yeah, I mean, that, that seemed like important results because we <clears> imagined that Norwich and Brighton would both be down there yeah. with us. Um, so it did. It did seem like a big breakthrough, and it almost felt like kind of yes. At last, the performances that we that we've been putting into this point are actually going to be good enough against some teams to, to yeah. get enough points on the board. Well, yeah, because um, you don't. You're not judging it against the top teams, are you? If you yeah. know you're going to be in a relegation battle, you want to be making sure that you're the best of yeah. the bad bunch at the bottom. Yeah. So when you beat. Norwich comfortably and then brought in the following week you think oh yeah fine yeah. We'll, we'll probably be okay here yeah it's the tallest of the seven dwarf syndrome again isn't it <laughs> pretty it's much it's kind yeah. of making sure that you like you say you're the kind of best of the rest really what do you remember about that Man City game because I was I remember being sent on a shoot to we were doing a piece in a pub somewhere in Birmingham yeah. so we were watching it and it was on TV and we were wearing the green kit I remember that weirdly for some reason and I remember watching it thinking oh we're not doing that bad here in the first half and because we'd won the previous two, you do think, oh, well, maybe we'll sneak something. And then Man City turn it on. and It's like, <laughs> you've had it several times, haven't we? It's like kind of, I don't know, it's like a, a crap analogy time again. I think it's like a, a punctured tyre. And as soon as, that, as soon as that goal goes in, all of a sudden... The wheels come off. Well, not, not quite, <laughs> but they, they certainly kind of, it certainly goes flat. Um, and I think it, it's like that. It's been hard. I think it's hard for... A kind of young, inexperienced, newly promoted team that's had a lot of individuals thrown together. Yeah. How do you cope with setbacks? Until you've had setbacks, how do you know how you're brave enough to cope? Yeah. And I think it's that. And I think we, we've seen that that time and time again where you know Villa have or they got themselves in front and then defended resolu- resolutely and just when that that blow comes, you can just see the energy. Yeah. Um, kind of sap out of them. Um, I think the Man City game was was a case in point. Villa thought if we're at our absolute best today, and, and Man City have an off day, we could get a nil nil here. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you can see, as you soon go, as you can see, lose, that's no. that plan out the window, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think looking ahead, the next two fixtures were. I think the first point we started the podcast by this point, and I think these were the first two games where I kind of thought this is the, the point where things are starting to go badly wrong. Yeah. Villa versus Liverpool were one nil up till the eighty seventh minute against the on to, to go on to be the Premier League champions. Um, do well in both games against them, to be fair. And then Wolves, Jed goes off after eight minutes or ten minutes or something. Nealon comes in and we look absolutely devoid of anything against Wolves. And you kind of think with Liverpool, well, they're top side. They've got great players. They've sucker punched just late on. You kind of can deal with that a little bit but Wolves yes I know they go on to have a good season but you still think local derby yeah. we had a couple of wins in the previous month if we're on form here we can nick something and to just go up and show absolutely nothing at all was the first time where I was like okay I'm now getting a lot uh, a lot more concerned 
Yeah, I think um, the different games to me because the Liverpool game, um, no Jack Grealish that day, and Villa yeah. kind of got the noses in front and played, but a very controlled performance in. And you know, we've been told ahead of the game, and, and so it proved that Liverpool are this kind of this really kind of super efficient steamroller who will just kind of roll over everybody in front of them. We think, well, actually, no, we look, look really competitive here. Uh, game was game was notable for for the it being my, my daughter's one and only ever Villa game when a squirrel <laughs> ran across her feet. I remember that in the, on the podcast, uh, yeah, in the Trinity Trinity Road stand. Um, but yeah, again, it was. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, I feel like I dig out Jonathan Codger too much over this game. But we're one nil up. Codger comes on as a sub, <laughs> and gives the ball away, fails to pick up a man. Um, and Mane you know Mane just loves playing against Villa doesn't he yeah. um, so he, he had to score the winner am I right in thinking he was the kind of um, the boo boy that day as well because um, I can't did he dive remember. or something I think he'd been booked for a dive or a dodgy dodgy tackle or something like that and he you know you know when you get the kind of villain of the piece and everybody yeah, whistles and boos yeah, every yeah. time they touch the ball yeah it rings a bell just had to be him who scored the winner um, so that was that was um, <clears throat> a kick in the taters uh, then nicely put the Wolves game was just I thought, thought it was embarrassing you yeah. know we had the bad luck with you know Jed Steer being injured in the line of duty just by doing his job and saving a goal yeah um, falls into the post doesn't he yeah side net or something and I just thought I think there's another injury well, wasn't it Matt Target got injured fairly fairly early yeah. on and it was the Neil Taylor Adama Traore show yeah. oh, uh, course, part yeah. one and it was just I remember in the build up to the game we've obviously got a couple of Wolves Wolves fans amongst the team and we're, they're talking about doing a combined Villa and Wolves 11 yes and I hadn't seen enough of Wolves uh, and I'd got my kind of claret and blue hat on so I'm kind of putting players I'm, I'm making sure there's a fair share of Villa players <laughs> in this 11 and then I've looked after the match and the kind of a lot of my mentions is going mad with them all kind of taking the mickey and stuff like that and I'm thinking yeah you're probably right I probably could have uh, Jack Grealish in that team and <laughs> 10 Wolves players it, yeah. to be honest so it was just we're just outclassed and that was a, a kind of real kind of humbling moment that yeah. you know Wolves are top end Premier League Aston Villa bottom end Premier League and you know kind of we live kind of black countryside don't we (laughs) so we kind of you know probably well there's more Villa but there's still you're still going to encounter more Wolves fans than you are Blues fans so it was was a hard moment to take that was Um, (laughs) thing is though it's it's a lot like you know when we say about Dean Smith as a manager he's very kind of level headed he's never too high and he never gets too low I feel like that embodies what Villa were this season as a a club because we're looking at these two fixtures Liverpool and Wolverhampton uh, Wolverhampton Wonders I've never said Wolverhampton Wonders but I've written it down (laughs) like that Wolves and you think, oh, this is disastrous. But then the following two games, you beat Newcastle in a massive game where we, yeah. ha- we had to win. Uh, Steve Bruce comes back to Villa Park. Yeah. Then you draw two all against Man United and you're ahead in that game as well. And you kind of think, well, one week we're thinking this is the end of the world. And then two weeks later, you're going, oh, actually, Villa aren't that bad. Yeah. And then you follow it up with more defeats. So we're never kind of, there was never a period where we're like, yeah, we're going to be comfortable, we'll be okay. Or we're, oh no, we're absolutely going down. We're always just kind of in this limbo of we're not quite good enough, but we're not terrible either. I think it's that just seeing that after Newcastle on, on your diagram or on your your, your list after Newcastle fifteenth place, so that sounds yeah. sounds comfortable, yeah, doesn't it? I don't um, know what the points were, but yeah, I've put yeah we were fifteenth after November, which is I think the highest point this season. Probably on par for where we probably thought we should be, yeah, uh, and thought that our spending spree would have justified being. Um, so yeah, and then it all goes um, all goes a bit wrong after that. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, the Man United one was interesting. I think that was the first away game I went to with, with work. Um, the Grealish goal. We what played was the food like there? Decent good, pies, yeah. Good, like a curry pie. Yeah, yeah nice. Um, Best thing about staying in the Prem. Yeah, good hot chocolate as well. Like a little Man United <laughs> cup. Um, but yeah, we go ahead in that game. I think Ming scores as well uh, to level it, I think. Um, but you kind of think, like, yeah, Man United aren't the Man United especially back then I don't know they finished top four in the end but they're, you know, they're not the Man United of old and you, yeah. you do think oh could have could have got something there and like I say you just go from thinking oh it's the end of the world they were terrible and then you think oh no there is signs that, yeah. that there is a decent there is a decent side there but then like you say you follow it up with three defeats in a row four defeats in a row besides a cup game against the Liverpool kids and it all feels doom and gloom again Man United won my enduring memory of that one is probably I've never really appreciated an overhit Anwar Algarzi cross quite enough because <laughs> Grealish still has something to do yeah, yeah. with that when he's, he's kind of hit oh, it what a goal yeah and again it was um, mixed emotions in it because you're thinking well yeah that's Jack he's our player he can do that but we don't really want you to see it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it listen oh, back then certainly Man United were a bit, a bit shaky uh, so I think this is this is a frustrating thing, and we'll, we'll we'll touch upon the rest of the season. So many times, Villa should have capitalised yeah. on like, Everton a couple of weeks ago. Everton didn't have anything to play for. Yeah. Villa should have gone and won that game. You've done the hard, but you've got in front. Go and win the game. Manchester United on a bit of a downer at that stage of the season. You've got in front. Go and win the game. Yeah. And I'm getting ahead of myself now, but I'm hoping these are the thing lessons that have been learned. How do Villa become streetwise? How do Villa manage games better? Yeah, um, we've certainly seen that in the in the last four games for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Clean sheet against Arsenal, for example. Yeah, no, well, uh, exactly. But I think you know, to me, and we'll get onto this in subsequent podcasts. Is you do need more leaders to emerge from what's gone on this year. Yeah, and you do need to recruit more leaders now that probably comes at a price because you're probably talking about established Premier League players um, but we'll get to that later <laughs> yes we will um, kind of we'll skip ahead from the Liverpool Cup game because yeah nice moment but it's against the kids 5-0 whatever yeah. um, there's three three fixtures there in the Premier League that at the time we looked at and because we were I think we dropped back down into the relegation zone again after the Leicester defeat I would have thought Um you look at Southampton, Norwich and Watford, there's three games where you think there's three winnable games there and Villa come out with one win out of three. And that's, again, a, a point where you seriously think we're in trouble here because Watford beat us 3-0. Yeah, I mean... I've kind of forgotten about. Just briefly, I mean, the the home defeat to Leicester was was a wonder yeah. for me because I think um, I'm right in saying that Villa went 1-0 down and got back level, I think. Or got back to two one. I think anyway. There was there was a moment in that game where you thought, okay, we, yes, this is, you this are is, right. Yeah, this is game on again. Um, and then they turned it on, didn't they? And yeah. Fardy outpaced Engels or something, was it? Yeah, yeah. It was just you know it was the, the moment where Tyrone Mings was a bit too brave, stayed uninjured. Yes, against yeah. the worst, the worst opponent, worst centre forward to to be injured against, and yeah, just. That game plus Sheffield United away was newly promoted Sheffield United. We're all looking, isn't Chris Wilder brilliant? Why can't we do the same as what Chris Wilder's <laughs> yeah. done? Um, and they absolutely, you know, they, they kind of took us apart that day. Um, 
and then yeah, that you're approaching Christmas time then, and it's. I think Watford was Boxing Day, wasn't it? I think. Uh, or the game before New Year's Day. Yeah, I think it was. No, it was Boxing Day. Watford was like the twenty eighth or whatever that second fixture was. Yeah, so the Southampton one, first of all, McGinn. I mean, it's interesting because McGinn, to me, was the player of the first couple of months of the season. I think even prior to his injury, he was... We were saying, oh, he's beginning to fade a little bit. Shall, yeah, shall we rest him? Shall, yeah, we, yeah. shall we bring him out the firing line? And then he goes, John McGinning into that challenge. Um, and you think, oh, no. And we've uh, over time, we've thought, actually, we'd rather have a, a kind of a 75% fit John McGinn. Yeah. Um, so yeah it was just horrible because Southampton that, that kick started Southampton's revival they didn't yeah. really look back after then and we did we we were really um, really panicky then and the Watford game the 1-0 win against Watford was a bit of a kind of war of attrition Norwich, um, Norwich. sorry Norwich kind of, <laughs> yeah Watford win comes a bit further the Norwich the win over Norwich was a war of attrition but Villa got over the got over the line yeah um, Thank God. <laughs> I think we're saying, weren't we, at that stage, oh, they need to get seven points from these three games. Yeah, yeah. Got three. Um, <laughs> that Watford one was poor. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, I think was, that was Pearson's first game. We just he'd just gone there. Yeah, the knowledge Pearson effect was 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 beginning to to take hold from that game. Um, I remember being down in Watford, not for that game, to go and see Harry Potter World. <laughs> With my yeah. family, and um, nice Christmas gift. I bought some wand or something in the um, in the gift shop at the end, and it was like I don't know, thirty quid's worth of tat or something like that. And my son was with me, and he got his um, he got a villa top on, and the kid behind the counter was a Watford fan. And I'm like, oh god, I don't need this. <laughs> Almost need to kind of expel the Armisen with the wand, <laughs> turn um, him into a toad. So that was it. Yeah. So it was just um, it was just grim. It was just grim. It kind of ruined Christmas and New Year, didn't it? A quick mention for the January business then. We bring in somatics. we need a striker because Wesley gets injured on New Year's Day. Um, Louis Barry signs, Boyer Baston signs, Drinkwater on loan and Pepe Rayner. One of those five has been decent in Rayner. Yeah, and I know we're going to touch upon in, like I say, in subsequent podcasts of, of kind of what's done for Suso. But I think that January that, lack of activity yeah. is probably going to um, going to be a big one. Now, listen, Villa's, Villa's plans were changed um, at very last minute because of those two injuries. Um, yeah, at Burnley, with obviously Tom Heaton and, and, and Wesley both being stretched off with with serious knee injuries, so that's fine. I can understand why Villa were kind of playing catch up, but there should be contingent, contingency plans and what happens in this eventuality and stuff like that. So uh, I wouldn't want to kind of let them off the hook yeah. too much as a result of that. Um, drink water was was a strange one because I think a fit Danny drink water probably could still offer something, but for him to have to kind of try to play his way into match fitness in the middle of a yeah. of a relegation battle, and we've beaten Burnley, and he's not playing for them, and we're thinking, well, if he can't get in their team, he's not going to play for us, is he? And who's he replacing as well? You know, the midfielder that we've lost is kind of this high energy, yeah. kind of you know this box to box man, and drink water was never going to be that. So that was, um, you know, that was a, a bit of a of, of a kind of. Um, a no no then we joked didn't we that you know that, that deadline day we were all a bit delirious working in the office yeah. kind of getting the pizzas in work, all working 15 hour shifts 
I know it's listen. I know we've got to be lucky to do the jobs that we do, so I'm not a late on too thick. But we we joked and we did a did a podcast at about midnight or something, saying yeah. maybe he's the saviour. Oh, what you a know. silly comment that and is! And then we're seeing all the kind of Swansea fan reactions saying, "Okay, good luck with that." Um, they told us. Yeah, we were warned. Um, you know, 18 minutes later, <laughs> yeah. he wasn't the saviour after all. Those Baston Villa puns um, didn't didn't amount to much. Um, who else? Um, well, we'll, we'll, like we said, we'll come on to the, the transfer stuff in, in, yeah. the, in the second podcast that we do. Because ironically, I think that was our most successful month in terms of results because yeah. of the two cup games. We've got the cup semi-final against Leicester, yeah. uh, which obviously we drew the, the first leg, beat the second leg, beat them in the second leg, uh, beat Burnley on New Year's Day. And then the, ba- the massive one in there is beating Watford in, yeah. in the last last seconds of, of the game with Conce's effort deflecting off Mings's ankle or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, Cross over the six-one defeat by Man City. Well, <laughs> because the, you kind of think, as much as bad as that is, it's still Man City, and we've we've managed to get the points in in the games that you expect to. Well, the Watford game felt significant, didn't it? Because we had, you know, in our previous home game, we had been given an, an absolute battering. Uh, I'll never forget that Villa trying to pass the ball out from from the back, and then picking out Sergio Aguero. <laughs> Courtney House picks out Sergio Aguero, and then okay. Um, <laughs> So the Watford game was the next time we were, we were back at, at Villa Park um, and, yeah. you know, Troy Deeney had scored. It felt horrible. They were, you know, Ben Foster was forgetting how his mother had told him to, talk, to tie his laces that back, game, as a, man. back as a young boy. Um, Martin, Martin Atkinson wasn't kind of, re- wasn't keeping a grip properly on their time wasting. And it just felt, it just felt so, so sweet yeah. um, for that last minute goal. And, Ultimately, I know we could say any of the points that Villa picked up along the way were the ones that kept them up. But ultimately, Villa got three points, denied Watford any points on that evening. Yep. That's kept Villa above Watford and kept Villa in the, in the Premier League. Um, and I think you tweeted, didn't you, the other week, the um, or the other day, the, the conflicting moods between Conza when he thinks he scored that yeah. winner and Conza when he's told by Sky, <laughs> a brutal Sky reporter, that no, it's Tyrone Mings. That kind of sums up the kind of gamut of emotions fans, doesn't yeah. it this year yeah um, the cup game as well that was, that was a big moment again when you think this is a turning point for Villa yeah. we've got a point away at Brighton after being battered by Man City we beat Watford we get to the cup final with another last minute yeah. goal from, from Trezeguet our, our friend friend of the show <laughs> we end the month in 16th place and you think right yeah we're, Villa are getting somewhere here and then you're going to lose to Bournemouth again <laughs> Even then, though, I think I, I think I probably called it. You can probably go back through the archives or through the tapes. If Villa score, it's my son's first season ticket or first half a season ticket as yeah. it transpired this year. And I said to him then, because I'm a cynical old man, I said, Villa have scored a last-minute winner against Leicester to get into a cup final. Scored a last-minute winner against what a relegation rival <laughs> to kind of try and kind of lift our, our heads above water. This is going to come at a cost. <laughs> There's going to be an almighty price to pay for this. Yeah. Um, and a winless February is what we got. That's what we got. You know, I kind of called it. You know, Mister Negativity here has nailed it. I mean, it's a real. That's a real kick of a month there. When you look back on it, we get, I mean, my memory's a bit more fresh now. We get a bit more recent. This feels like this season now. Yeah. The closer we get, Bournemouth giving them six points is. I mean, in the end, didn't matter, but ridiculous yeah. and almost cost us the Tottenham game. Oh, I wasn't there through illness. I was watching on TV. That was that week, and Engels just put your foot through it, and we, we get a, a nice point there against Tottenham. 
and then again Southampton. They played well as well. Yeah, we, we when play we play well, well we can see three yeah. goals. And that, was, that was the kind of point back then. It was like, well, we're, we're, we're trying our best. Like you, can, yeah. you can't fault what we're trying to do here and it's still not enough. Yeah. We're, we're losing three out of three in February. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the, and of course that was the last home game. Well, that was the last home game we saw Villa play. That Tottenham game, yeah. which is ridiculous, really. Yeah. You know, the, my last memory of being at well, mine was the cup game. So yeah. I was Ill, yeah, I've not seen a Villa game in, in a Villa Park since January. Yeah. So for that, for my for my enduring memory to be that ball slipping through Engels' foot, um, <laughs> yeah, it's bleak. And and then my memory of the um, the Southampton game, it's that breakaway goal at the end, isn't it, where the Gilbert's yeah. kind of running in his own channel and not getting across to, to close down. Well, we can laugh about it now, thankfully, but there's been some poor moments in the season and, you know, it's no, you don't look back at it and go, God, you know, when you look at teams, you think, oh, they, they underperformed that season or they, they've got a squad better than well. Yeah. We very much deserve to be finished <laughs> 17th at best. By a point, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think a point flatters us. We should have probably yes. stayed up on goal difference. I, I tweeted at one point, probably after Man United, maybe, um, it might have been when Watford and West, and who was it? Watford and West Ham played each other. I think it was after then. I, I watched some of that and I tweeted all four of us, including Norwich. We all deserve to go down here. Like, we're all awful. It's just that one of us is going to be slightly less yeah. awful than the rest. And I'm very much thankful it was Villa that was it's so sweet, isn't it? To less, be not quite as crap. It's to be marginally that, less crap that, than everybody that else. That is it. And we've said it a few times, haven't we? If we were just slightly better than. Than awful, we, uh, we'd have been comfortable in thirteenth or fourteenth, yeah. but we just about yeah, got boring. That had been there. Oh, in hindsight, <laughs> yes, but my heart could not take it. Um, cup final was March. Was the first of the month. I yeah. think we drop into the bottom three that weekend because of we, we yeah. missed a fixture. Um, not going to kind of go into the game too much. It was a nice day out. We all had a good time. We gave Man City a, a decent go. We didn't lose six one like we did in the the, yeah. the, the league fixture. Um, most people would have expected Man City to win that anyway, and we, we kind of come out of that feeling like the boys done us proud there. That yeah. they've done okay. Some out of scores, a diving header. You think? I yeah, thought they played well. You know, maybe there's something it, decent there. Nakamba you know, played well in that game. Came well, very close to grabbing an equaliser late on. That's yeah. the last time. You know, Ash has been the one who's been lucky enough to be at the stadiums representing us. So that's the last time I've seen Villa in the flesh. Time. Not a bad memory, yeah. To be honest, it's all right. uh, didn't know then when I was battling to find our way back to the coach part that I wouldn't see Villa again for, <laughs> for another three or, three or four months. Um, but yeah, I think listen, it sounds a little bit kind of a little bit lame to say they did us proud and it was a day out, but it probably has to be filed away as that now, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, we've, we've been lucky enough to go to Wembley lots of times during a bleak period for Aston Villa, so. Make sure next time we go there, it's not in a playoff final, it's in a proper final. <laughs> and and next time we go there, we win. Yeah. And hopefully we'll all be allowed in there to watch it as well. That'd be lovely, wouldn't it? Not not too much to ask for. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the last game before the, the coronavirus pandemic hit was the embarrassing 4-0 defeat away at Leicester on the Monday night, I think. So again, we dropped down to the bottom of three, then we play last after everyone as well, get humiliated on TV. Pepe Reina goes walkabout and in the podcast after that I go Pepe Reina should never play for Villa again so hold my hands up I'm glad that he contributed to our uh, survival in the end but back then I was thinking for an experienced goalkeeper what are you doing mate it's embarrassing yeah it just like say epitomised Villa's um, capacity to kind of <coughs> shoot themselves in the foot really um, you know in hindsight that game should never have been played yeah 
Um, probably <laughs> genuinely should never have been played, to be honest, because by then the, the country should have been in lockdown. And, um, you know, I think it was ridiculous the fact that they were still planning to play the following weekend's yeah, fixtures. Yeah. And if, if, um, that would have been Sheffield United, wouldn't it, for us? Chelsea, I think we played. Oh, yes, Chelsea. Right, yeah. And if, um, Sheffield United, we missed. If Arteta hadn't got coronavirus on that, that Thursday night. Yeah, we'd have all been at Villa Park. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mad. Let's not get political, though. <laughs> don't um, think people come here for that. No, I don't think so. I think people come away to get away from that. Um, so, yeah, the, the, obviously, we, we've gone into the, the pandemic in depth over during while we were doing it. We tried to podcast the best we could, but yeah. there's nothing to talk about for three months, which is Yeah, which just is what you need to do now is just cutting a little bit, editing a little piece here, just kind of, <laughs> I don't know, Toramings on an exercise bike or something, or yeah. Alice Sumatra on a rowing machine. <laughs> um, but we go into that 19th and there's the whole debate of does football even come back? Do we avoid yeah. the season? What happens when we come back? So we've got a game in hand and obviously there's, there were so many different talking points. But when football does come back, we do look different. And even though for the first, what, one, two, three, four, five, six games of the 10, we don't even win and we look still doomed. We, we are still kind of thinking there is a glimmer of hope somewhere in there. And at the time that felt a little bit deluded almost to think oh well yeah I'm not sure I shared a glimmer of hope but to yeah, be but honest when we're looking I've, at it going oh we've only lost 1-0 to Wolves that might be important because of goal difference yeah, it was a bit like we are clean being young and naive that is I'm thinking but in the end yeah. I was right thank <laughs> <laughs> too used to it um, yeah I'll, I'm pro- again I'm probably more man in the pub here I'm thinking Villa should have gone out harder to have gone and won that Sheffield United game yeah uh, I mean, and to fluke the lead against Chelsea probably should have been a little bit more. I don't know. I just thought, got the goal, sat back, invited trouble. Um, yeah. Thought played quite well at Newcastle. I thought Wolves just showed a we showed a lack of ambition again. Um, I suppose we'd better talk about Hawkeye, hadn't we? Yeah. <laughs> I love this uh, this debate. I've seen a few things come out over the last couple of days of petitions to have yeah. Bournemouth versus Villa relegation playoff and for Bournemouth to be suing Hawkeye. Well, it's funny you say that because actually some points. talk about that today. But it's, um, that's not going to happen though, is it? Well, if, you, if people want to visit Birmingham Live, um, <laughs> Clang. there's um, <laughs> a big interview with a, a lot of football lawyer who talks about... So what, what is the latest then? Can, is that a serious possibility, by the way? I think, I think there's a possibility that they could at least seek seek to do that, Bournemouth and Watford, um, yeah. from from the bits I read in this massive, kind of lengthy transcript <laughs> full of legalese from the lawyer. Um, the prospects of it actually coming to pass look quite grim, right, okay. quite bleak. Uh, so... It's Villa, isn't it? You know, we can't just have this kind of period of six weeks of <laughs> of, of rest and relaxation. There's got to be some, there's got to be some kind I mean, of spanner in the works. We joked about it in the post West Ham podcast, I think, about you know VAR decision. You think you want to kick off as soon as so they can't. Yeah. Say, I want the season to start now before yeah. they say, oh, actually, by the way, Villa, you've been relegated yeah, because of a, a legal a legal dispute. That's not going to happen, I don't think. I think it opens up a massive can of worms with kind of claims and counterclaims, and then yeah. you've got the kind of VAR kind of discrepancies and you know fingers crossed there's not to be a, a massive stinging sting in this tail 
I don't uh, think it will be. I think, like you say, it opens up a massive can of worms because then surely Villa go back and say, well, what about our point at QPR? I don't think you surely, surely Villa have got kind of more money for their legal bills anyway because they're a Premier League team. True. Other than Bournemouth, they've got to, got to kind of spend spend their um, parachute payments. Yeah. And what about the penalty that we rode against Arsenal as well? Yeah. To, we- to try and equalise? Can we? How far do you go back and say, oh, actually, by the way, this was wrong. Can we go back? Because that, 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 they've admitted wrong decisions throughout the season. Yeah. And yes, the, the, the Hawkeye thing was a goal for Sheffield United. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it wasn't over the line. We very much got away with one, but I think it was if it was on the other foot and maybe we'd gone down in Bournemouth's position, we'd be, we would be fuming about it. But That's it. We'd all be looking through our, our law books then, wouldn't we? It swings and roundabouts, isn't it, in football? I don't think you can... Uh, can you... I don't know. Oh, I don't know. It is, it is a minefield. Let's not talk it? about it. Let's not draw attention to it. Let, let's not talk about it. Let's, <laughs> let's move on. The only thing I would say about it... It's just because is, you can't, you've can't. you played a 38-game season, you can't just say that was the point because you could say, well, we hit the post in this game if that well, had gone in. If Villa would have conceded a, that goal in that game and it had been given, then it would have affected how Villa approached the rest of the exactly, game. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. Villa could, it could have thought, oh, you know, crank Villa up to a level. I'm probably wishful thinking here, but crank Villa up to a level. We think... Not we only did they get, a, get a, a, a draw out of it, but they, they kicked on and got a you know yeah. got a win. So that's the difference with the argument with the, the Palace thing for us. When people say, "Oh yeah, but you had the Palace VR thing," yeah. that was the last seconds of the game. Yeah. The, the ball went in the net. That should have stood, yeah. and that would have been a point game because Palace had no reply. Yeah. As you say, with Sheffield United, I don't know what minute it was in, but it was in the first, first half, half wasn't yeah, it? Towards so the end of the first half. There's yeah. no reason why Villa don't come out in the second half and win 2-1, yeah. and we survive by three points. The thing that's most amused me about Hawkeye is that some of my mates who are non-Villa and some of my kind of people who have added me on Twitter kind of anything I put about Villa survival it's a oh, Hawkeye this Hawkeye oh, that you're thinking I quite like it to be honest I just, well I don't mind it but just the think you're clutching yeah uh, you know, if all your Nealand had been, a be- been as good at clutching <laughs> the ball <laughs> As some of these non-villa nice. people are at, at, at clutching for straws then uh, it wouldn't have been a debating point anyway but so, yeah you know when Jack Grealish talks in interviews about he likes being kicked, he likes being the villain, he yeah. likes being boozed. It, it kind of rolls him up and gets him going. I quite like that we're the, the villain in this scenario. I don't, I don't become care. so hated though? Is I mean, it because we I mean, are? We have are, got delusions of grandeur and we also give, give it big all the I time. I mean, there'll be opposition fans watching this now super you in over the fact that we're kind of so smug about this situation, <laughs> but I don't care. It's what, it is what it is, isn't it? I, I quite like it being the kind of everyone hates us. Because all the local sides hate us anyway, but now you've got Brighton fans or whatever chipping in going, yeah. oh, Villa should be ready. Yeah. I don't care, mate. I don't care. Leeds hate league. us now. Bournemouth hate us because of relegation. Um, <laughs> I just like that. I quite like it. It is quite amusing, doesn't it? Um, so, we've, obviously, we've talked a lot about the Project Restart stuff because it's been games in such short succession. These things happened literally less than two weeks ago. So kind of rather than going in each game yeah, by game yeah just rattle through it kind of Wolves defeat bad yeah, Wolves defeat bad <laughs> Manchester United defeat bad but that's the one Villa goes seven points behind before they play Crystal Palace and it is that's the moment where we sit on Facebook Live and go I think Villa are done here was that the point where you thought because that was the first time I sat and actually thought right we are doomed now there's no way we get out of it before people are going oh losing to Chelsea that's we're down now like that when did you kind of think it's all over 
I think the, the Man United one was it. You can imagine if you were like cutting it for a film, it would be the kind of break-up scene, wouldn't it, where you'd have the kind of people crying and on their own, and you'd have kind of moody music, um, almost like accepting the... Before they had their epiphany and go yeah, on to win. Except that out we're, we're, we're breaking up with the Premier League that night. And I think it was, you know, again, it was one of those where Villa started quite brightly, hit the post, looked like they were actually up for the game. And then the penalty on decision. the receiving end of the flakiest penalty yeah. decision, which has changed that game. Yeah. Um, and that seven points, like we said at the time, it, it seemed like uh, Mount Everest, didn't it? Trying to, they hadn't won in probably ten. Uh, uh, I think it was ten games they hadn't won in um, by then. So the prospect of, of of kind of trying to overturn that seven point deficit was just yeah, nice one. When I think at one point we were talking about um, if we stay up, would it be a bigger achievement than getting to the Premier League in the first place? And I said no then, because with the, um, I think it was before that point, the Man United game, I was saying, well, to fill up for Villa to get promoted, they had to win 10 in a row. There was no choice to to get to the players. They had to do that. Yeah. Um, winning eight in a row wouldn't have been enough. They had to do the 10. They had to win in the semi-final and get to the final and win that. They, yeah. They've got no choice. So to get promoted was the bigger achievement. But then Villa get to a point in the in the Premier League season where they have to get, uh, what is it, seven points, eight points, three, six, seven, yeah, eight points. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Villa have to get at least eight points yeah. to stay up to overturn this seven-point gap. And you're thinking, well, they're not going to do it. So the fact that it got to that stage again where Villa have to do that as the bare minimum and they still managed to do it, it is the bigger achievement enough to stay in the Premier League than it was so to get I don't, I don't see one, one, one outweighs the other I think both under difficult circumstances <clears throat> and again we'll talk at length about this in future but Dean Smith has inherited a coach in John Terry who was thrust upon him and yeah. a sporting director a collection of players we don't know how involved he was we don't know which one in all the recruitment a kind of a fan base that is desperate for something, for anything, to pick it up off his floor, off the floor. And somehow, between him and the set of players and the coaching staff, they've managed to pull both things out of the bag. Yeah. So I, I find it difficult to separate them. I take them as a as a whole, really, to get Villa in the to get Villa up to the Premier League and keep them in the Premier League given all these kind of factors that have been swirling around I think Dean Smith can and I saw the picture that he, that Jack posted with them both beaming the heads off the other day I think the pair of them and Villa collectively can be can be very smug and very proud that they've been able to kind of achieve all that against the odds Yeah So in contrast to my previous question when did you finally realise or believe that Villa were safe? Probably when <laughs> They were having that group huddle on the pitch and all getting updates from the Emirates from, from the Arsenal game. I loved how they were like, don't celebrate yet, don't celebrate yet when uh, Watford actually scored two goals away at Arsenal in like a minute and it's like, oh, come on, we are safe. We can celebrate now. Yeah, but, but I think like, no, wait, be- better to be safe than sorry, aren't you? I mean, just the, you know, we won't dwell on it because we've spoken about it a lot already, but so Villa, so very Villa to yeah. get that goal. Give yourself that breathing space and no sooner have you stopped hugging, the ball's deflected over Pepe uh, Reiner. I, um, I think it was 100 seconds I saw somewhere. So that's why I wouldn't... I got. I allowed myself and my son to celebrate Jack's goal. That's why I, w- I, I, I would not allow us to celebrate until the final whistle. Yeah, I, I gave it a bit of a fist bump when we scored, but it's kind of... Uh, stay calm. Yeah. 
pop out a tweet. <laughs> Professional heads remains on. Um, yeah, I think I think it was just before the final whistle, but only literally like thirty seconds yeah. before. I was like, Nah, they're not going to not going to score now. Like when we got the ball down in the corner, McGinn's kind of putting his his backside into people. It's like they're not going to get the ball from here and go up and score. Like that's going to take thirty seconds. Like that's surely not going to happen. So I was like, Yeah, we, we've done it. And then the final whistle goes, and I was like, Well, Watford aren't going to score, so yeah, celebrate. <laughs> Yeah. If Watford only needed one, yes, wait till the very last seconds, but they needed two, so happy days. <sighs> Against still, all the odds. Still uh, all a bit surreal, the, isn't the it? The start at one point that we were a 7% chance of staying up, you would, you know, you'd have been stupid to look at that and go, well, no, I still believe. Yeah. I still believe. I think that was after Man United. We were seven, 7% seven chance of no, staying listen, up. No, listen, my name's Matt Kendrick and I'm a cynic. <laughs> I'm a confessed cynic, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, Sorry, I'm, I doubted you. I'm, I'm glad we can sit here and have humble humble pie and, and look at embarrassing clips from after the Man United game when we're all down and depressed and talking about championship planning. Because yeah, I'm more than happy to be proved wrong and look like an idiot. And the people in the comments going, "You've got to stay with it till the final day." That those one percent of people out there that were saying, "You've you still got to give it a go." I'm very much happy to to sit here and look stupid, but we didn't give up. Well, I didn't give up until Man United. Some people gave up well before then yeah. so there's not going to be a single Villa fan out there now thinking oh I'm, I'm unhappy that Villa pr- didn't prove me wrong yeah. Um, so yeah it's just it does seem it was the impossible the impossible job wasn't it the great escape whatever cliche you want to throw at it we needed seven points to, to close that gap to even get it down to goal difference and the fact that we get eight and stay up one point on the last day is Pink just, filler. Just yearning for a really boring, oh. boring March to to twelfth or thirteenth. Yeah, probably get ahead of myself. Probably March to sixteenth would be nice. Yeah, uh, it'd be nice to have like forty two points in like April or something. And just like, yeah, yeah, last month we're we're fine here. It'd be lovely. That would. Oh, imagine. Thing is, I was looking at some stats of Villa post lockdown and pre lockdown. Um, and the, kind of the main ones you look at are well the main ones I've looked at to kind of make this point are goals scored and goals conceded so before lockdown obviously we played 28 games we only played 10 posts but we score 1.2 goals a game on average before lockdown and we're conceding 1.9 so pretty much what we said yeah. all season if Villa are going to win a game they've got to score at least two yeah. post lockdown we're conceding 1.1 goals a game a lot more tighter but we are we are scoring less but that probably comes yeah. factors down to playing less games as well and the kind of the the environment of how we're playing in football as well. So I kind of tried to work out with some very basic maths, which isn't how football is played at all. What would Villa's season look like post lockdown form for that full 38 game season? We'd score 26 goals, which is very low, but we'd only concede 41, which is 20 less, I think, than what we actually conceded in real life. Um, yeah, we conceded 67 in, in the actual season. We only scored 41, which is a low total, really. So, I kind of can take from that as a contrived point is that we're not a million miles away from being that comfortable kind of 14th, yeah. 15th place. Yeah. I've, t- I've taken Southampton as the example. They've got Danny Ings, right? He scored, he's their main goal scorer. They only scored 51, 10 goals more than Villa. Yeah. So goal scoring isn't a mega, a mega issue. If you can find a goal scorer that yeah, will score 15 Villa's, goals. Villa's goal scoring stacked up pretty well against most of the clubs in the bottom half of the, yeah, exactly. half of the table. So um, you need a goal scorer. This is the frustrating thing, though, isn't it? Kind of two defenders as, yeah. as your coaching coaching yeah. staff. You know, cheap goals given away. Um, Villa's £22, £23 million centre-forward. 
got injured so you'd have backed him even though he's not the most prolific you'd have backed him to score two more goals than Samata scored well yeah well yeah yeah he would have um so yeah the, these glimmers there I mean, it's, a very, it's a very basic way to break it down but Southampton are I think they finished 12th um and had oh, I've not written it down I don't think oh they got 17 more points than Villa so what's the maths on that 52 yeah. So Southampton got 52 points. They only scored 10 more goals than us. They conceded yeah. seven less. Southampton still conceded 60. Yeah. So when you look at those very basic stats, I know it isn't as easy to say, score these goals, see these, and this yeah. is where you'll finish. But we've shown that we've tightened up at the back. If we can add a goal scorer and continue with what we've seen since lockdown, there's no reason to suggest that Villa can't be... Yeah a much improved side next year mid-table mid-table mediocrity isn't that far away it doesn't take a lot um, does it because the standard is just fine margins and as much as we're saying it's very frustrating that Villa were not frustrating but we were so awful that we almost got relegated we almost were not quite good enough to be safe either do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we weren't, we're not a million miles away from 14th place and being yeah. comfortable, but we also weren't a million miles away from going down on the last day either. Yeah, which makes, and again, I won't go into this in much detail, but it makes the recruitment so important because yeah. you're talking about Villa having to wheel and deal to just improve in small increments, really. You might have to spend big just to kind of enter that Southampton level yeah. twilight zone. You're 15 points away from a 50-point season. Yes, five more wins. It's not turning those draws into wins, holding on to games when you go ahead against Tottenham and Arsenal, having decisions go your way. Yeah. You're not a million miles away from being a, a steady Premier League team that shouldn't be, shouldn't be having to look over their shoulder at the back end of a season. But if football was that simple, then I've managed to put these stats together in half an hour Is this last a pitch night. for Suso's job? <laughs> if, I mean, if, they, if they want me. Um, I've, got, I've got no names or anything for who we need to sign. I'm just looking at the, at the pure figures and I know, like I say, it's not that easy just to work it out and go, do this and you'll be fine. But yeah, what I'm trying to say is we're not a million miles away from no. from being somewhere. Be a little bit better and it'll be more comfortable is what you're saying. Yeah. Be a little bit worse and you'll go down. Okay. Yeah. Let's forget that bit. A <laughs> couple of quick fire questions we'll try and rattle through to, to round this podcast off. First one came in, Dean Smith, manager of the season, question mark. Not for me. He's definitely Aston Villa's manager of the season. Um, and thank goodness that the board kind of kept their nerve yes. and for, for the running. Um, I think he's probably got to get to, to Jurgen Klopp, given what he's delivered there after a 30-year absence. Um, it's interesting. It, it, are people saying Dean Smith should be manager of the season for the Survival Act, the Rescue Act that he's pulled off, which in itself, you know, perhaps he's manager of lockdown. Yeah. Um, but you you'd probably take it away from manager of the season because the fact that Villa needed that rescue act in the first place. Yeah. Um, I think he's um, I think he's a lovely fella. I think he's, he's proof that, that good guys can win. <laughs> um, he's one of us, which does make the successes yes. all the sweeter. Um, but hopefully manager of next season. <laughs> yeah, I think Klopp's the obvious answer. Chris Wilder as a secondary shout to do what he did with Sheffield United um, yeah I think like you said for him to fully deserve plaudits for keeping Villa up from where we were but Dean Smith had a hand in Villa being in that position in the first place so over the course of a season yes he's done a great job to get us out of, out of it but 
you can't have them as a, a manager of the season throughout the entire league. But like I said, to kind of even manage Villa in difficult circumstances, losing his dad throughout lockdown, managing a football team and, and 25 different players throughout a global pandemic, I imagine is difficult as well. So to kind of come back, make Villa more solid and do the impossible by, by keeping Villa in the league in the end is a, is a massive achievement. So manager of the season, part two. Yeah. <laughs> manager of the first half of the season, no. Like I say, manager of lockdown, yeah. He's, the question mark about Dean Smith is, is he a Premier League manager? Can he do it in the Premier League? It's been a very, very tense way of proving himself, but <laughs> he's done it in the Premier League for a year. He's yeah. an established Premier League manager for a year. Let's see what he can do next. Yes, agreed. Um, best goal of the season? I've got two here. Go on, let me have yours So first. for two different reasons, kind of aesthetically, and kind of my favourite looking goal, one that looked good on match of the day, uh, Jack Grealish against Man United, Old Trafford, bending the ball around De Gea, um, one I was there for as well, which is also a nice added bonus. Um, but kind of most important is the concert slash Mings one against Watford. Last minute, a fleeting win during the season against one of your relegation rivals. Um, yeah, just a crazy, crazy moment and an important goal in the end as well. Give it, I'd give it to concert, but... I think it officially went to Mings in the end but yeah the most important that one but kind of my favourite was uh, Jack against Man United yeah I think mine, mine's a bit of a kind of a random one really I'm going to go for that's not like you yeah it's funny <laughs> that I'm going to go for Ali Samata in the um, Bournemouth not that one though funnily enough I'm going to go for the one in the cup final against Man City I'm a, I'm a sucker for a diving header yeah. uh, I thought it was very very easy on the eye great balling so excited flung himself at the ball <laughs> covered you in flob as I um, as I said that yeah, um, take, take that microphone home with you <laughs> <laughs> you might well be in a minute with a dental wipes um, yeah just a, a, a beautiful goal easy on the eye and it just at that moment thought oh actually we're not going to get turned over in a cup final 6-0 we're going to yeah. be competitive we've got a chance um you know, it proved the point that he, he is good in the air, even if his headers have to be kind of that high <laughs> for <laughs> yeah. him to execute them. Uh, so that one, like I say, it's a bit random, but you stole the Grealish one. Um, yeah. I've also given you no prep to... No, to well, it's, answer, um, so. you know what my memory's like as well. I'll go with Grealish's goal against West Ham. Uh, as the, <laughs> I couldn't even remember what it was then. As the important one, because, yeah. you know, cometh the hour, cometh the man. Um Villa would probably have still managed to get that goal in the other end. They've probably still found a way of fluking the ball, into, you know, getting the ball in their own net. So, oh, can you imagine if that's the way it ended in the alternative reality yeah. that Villa lose 1 0 and it comes off Jack Grealish's Jack Grealish deflection, deflection. Yeah. So ultimately, it's the goal that, that kept Villa up. Um, yeah. So go for way. that. Go for that in terms of importance. And let's hope we, we see lots more. Jack Grealish goals in a Villa shirt yeah, we'll talk, in the right net we'll talk about that in the next podcast that we do in more depth um, player of the season is this an obvious answer just to say Jack it's got to be him hasn't it he's got in the, the the who scored team of the season this year for the Premier League yeah so he has to get has to be Villa's player of the season yeah, by default you know we've said that Douglas Louise is probably player of lockdown yeah. for Aston Villa um, with the way he's come roaring back but I don't think it's an exaggeration. You know, we were joking early in the season about kind of how his shoulders must hurt because he's carrying that team. Several occasions um, pre-lockdown where you've almost seen his teammates abdicate responsibility and said, give it Jack, Jack will make it happen. Give it Jack, Jack yeah. will rescue us. And on many occasions he took that responsibility on. Um, I think he's he's grown up a lot. 
I think he's become a, a real kind of captain figure and a real leader. Um, never mind his own ability and his own energy um, and his own personality. Just the fact that a young man can kind of carry the weight of expectation of yeah. a football club on his shoulders when it means so much to him. Um, nailed on any one, two, and three for me. <laughs> Yeah, fair. Nothing else to add. Um, last question. I don't know whether you'll have a specific for this, but I kind of wanted to use this as a kind of a... Thank you, everybody. Um, it's a favourite podcast episode. I thought you could say favourite podcast. Well, just generally. Yeah. Yeah. The Peter, pa- Peter Crouch podcast yeah, is excellent. Probably something true crime <laughs> related. Um, Can you think of a, an episode? Is that too... Am I putting you on the spot too much there? Because they're, they're very much a much of a muchness, aren't they, that we talk nonsense for an hour and Villa have probably lost. <laughs> I'll probably go for... One of the um, one of the ones we've done in lockdown, one of the interview ones. Okay, yeah. To yeah. be honest, I know that's a different vibe to, to, say, not what to me and you yeah. chatting nonsense, but the All Brighton one, yeah. I really, really loved. Probably because it was a Friday night and we've got a kind of a current Premier League player and Premier League yeah. winner was kind enough to give us his time. It was a uh, long interview and as well. We, we took full advantage of that time. We got him on for longer than an hour. And he was brilliant. He kind of told us, very honest, very open, very yeah. funny, very articulate. Uh, lovely fella. Just just that, just being honoured enough to kind of invite him into our living rooms or whatever, or yeah. wherever we filmed it and, and do it like that. And then for you to just take the absolute kind of liberty of saying Mark Mark can you hang on a minute I just want to come back I'm, I've got a fancy dress party that I'm late to <laughs> dress up as Jesus and good him to take it in good spirit so I think it, I think it encapsulated what we're about you know we, we like telling good Aston Villa stories you know when we're lucky enough to get get superstars on to join us yeah. brilliant but even then we don't want it to be too even well we touch on serious topics we want to have a laugh along the way yeah. and I think that that kind of summed up that one for me I like that you've gone down the route of an actual serious football interview because I, I, I was just thinking about the ones that we'd done rather than kind of... I, as much as they're our podcast, they're, it's an interview, isn't it, rather than yeah. a kind of a chat about football. I think in terms of an actual answer, because I'd not thought about this before myself, the cup final one, when we had the Adam Wright came on and you kind yeah. of looked at the memories of 94 yeah. and 96 and we had the tickets and the programmes, yeah. I think that was a, a strong episode. One for me as a kind of... I got to enjoy it as the audience, as a, yeah. as a, a younger viewer yeah. that I wasn't alive for, or I was alive, but I wasn't there for those <laughs> yeah. games, uh, was a good one. But I kind of wanted to include this question as kind of a general kind of thank you for supporting the stuff that we're doing yeah. over the course of a season. We've now completed a season with Aston Villa in the Premier League. Yeah. We didn't cover the whole thing, so we didn't start till late, but <laughs> the second half. Um, I'm thankful that people have stuck with it in the way that I have. I'm thankful for the support that we've got on the numbers that we get getting kind of six, 7,000 listens plus at the moment, which is our highest Probably figures. more to Villa winning than, than, yeah, than us. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. The Man United any, episode did well. They drew the weekend, didn't they? Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, considering Maybe that, it is us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I had a few messages saying things like, we did this the live kit one a couple of days ago when this comes out. Um, and someone kind of, a couple of people messaged me saying how, like, how funny it was. And I was just kind of, to us, that was a kind of a bit of a throwaway, jokey episode, kind of here's half an hour chat kind of we'll film it and be done with it but you can kind of a few people said like they enjoy the podcast because you can kind of get analysis from Sky or BBC or other Villa podcasts or wherever it is but they can come to ours and kind of zone out a little bit which I do take as a compliment <laughs> I know that I know it doesn't sound it the way I've worded it but they can kind of just kind of turn it on join in and kind of relate to us in a, in a way that we're not here kind of to offer stats and analysis and figures and 
No, it's fine. I don't, you know me, mate. I don't else. mind being the Claret and Blue Court jester. Yeah, like we want to. We want to feel it, don't we? We want to be know, serious when we have to be. If it had gone down, and and this episode itself has been more serious than usual, given yeah. its fleeting moments, and the next one we do will be the same. But we still want to have a laugh with it. We're doing. It, we're talking about Villa for our, our job. We're not going to take ourselves too seriously. Yeah, I'm in my twentieth <laughs> year of journalism, and you, th- you must be thinking, yeah, Matt. Of course, you started journalism <laughs> as a five-year-old. <laughs> We're in my twentieth year of journalism, and in the early days, I used to have to d- write about car boot sales, cats stuck up trees. Court cases. Do you remember uh, the one when the guy had this. the glass pane falling on Exactly, yeah. yeah. The, that great story. All these kind of things. So you can't really laugh a joke about a lot of those things. <laughs> yeah. we're, in a, we're in a job now where we're lucky enough to, to write about Aston Villa. If you can't laugh and joke about Aston Villa, you genuinely would yeah. kind of go into meltdown. Yeah. So just reflect, reflect a little bit of that. The one thing that I wanted to say, and this is probably something that should have been saved for a planning meeting, I would love us once the new season starts and we're back up and running properly and it's a bit of normality to the world I'd love us to have a live event and to, to bring yeah. to bring people in to, to get get a former player in as a guest uh, to have a laugh with the people who have supported us yeah. uh, we I might exactly even get a drink in for a few people oh nice that'd be a rarity for you to get a drink <laughs> for me or anyone else um, yeah it's nice because we, we kind of had I mean, this is going off topic a little bit but we didn't have any massive expectations for how this would go when we first started it and the, I think the numbers that we get and that we have got to be, I think it's three and a half thousand subscribers on YouTube. We're kind of a bit like Villa's promotion plans. We're a year ahead of schedule. We're doing better at this point than I expected us to be. So kind of doing the podcast, hopefully for uh, Villa's season next year in the, in the Premier League again. And Villa being a bit better would be nice as well. I'm all, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm excited. Let's get it on. <laughs> all right. Steady on. Where's that plastic sheet? Um, oh God. Should we call it a day? I think so, mate. Yeah, I've got to do what you're doing and dash for another meeting. Oh, um, bit serious, isn't it? This, this football journalism law. I'm telling you. Got meetings now. Um, we'll be doing a second episode. We wanted it to be kind of. We thought about doing this one long bumper episode, but we've kind of run out of time. Um, but we want to do a season debrief, which you've just seen, and we're going to kind of look ahead to how Villa plan for next season in the Premier League. So, Jack Grealish, what's happening? What's happening with Suso? Who do we sign? What do we need to do? What's happening with the coaching staff? There's a lot of questions to be asked, and we'll try our best to answer them in our usual, <laughs> in our our usual, usual serious analysis way. Our usual man down the pub way. Um, so, that'll be out probably tomorrow as you're watching this. If you're watching this in the future, then they're both out now already and you can do what you want. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming down. It's been a nice hour talking to another human being no, in nice. the flesh. Thanks for having me. I shall, um, I shall wash my hands at the door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no connection <laughs> issues, no weird sound. It's nice to do this properly for a change. So yeah. Should we do it again in a few hours? <laughs> yeah, sounds like a plan. <laughs> Okie doke. Right, thank you very much everyone for tuning in. We'll be back soon. And up the villa. Up the Villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the Villa. Up the Villa.